0: This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor of Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. Uh, my prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at
1: Of dawn, the. Sun. i mm-hmm. Your name, amen. We praise you, Father. We praise you for the gift of your Son. God, we praise you for the gift of Calvary and the cross, God, that we can have eternal life with you because of your sacrifice, God. We praise you for doing that so willingly for us. God, I pray that as we've worshipped you and as as we've sang to you this morning, God, that is pleasing to you. God, we all come in this place with different stories and we're all walking through different seasons, God, but we're all here as a body of one, Jesus. God, just to praise you and worship you. Father, through our circumstance, we will stand and we will praise you, God, because you are good and you are gracious. God, I pray that as we hear from you, your word, God, transform our hearts. It's your name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. Well, we're gonna be in James chapter 4. Verses 13 through 17, walking through this text, asking the question, what are you doing with your life? See, what happens when your life is driven by something other than God's will? With your years, with your months, with your days, with your hours, with your minutes, and with your breaths. You see, I take 17 breaths a minute I'm thinking about it differently than seconds because I, th- I believe that every single breath I take was given by God to me for his glory. It says in Colossians chapter one that all things were created through him and for him. Every breath I have was given to me through the one who created me and it is for him. If there is no creator, if there is no one who's given me breath, if there's no one who's given me life, then my breath is absent of purpose, but because my God has created me and given me breath, I believe that it is for him. I take 17 breaths a minute, which means I have 525,600 breaths a year. That's how many times I breathe in because God has given me breath. If God's word is true, then every portion of wisdom, every good thing and every breath comes from God, so what you do with it matters. If it's from God, it matters because it's for God. You see, sometimes we try to dictate our plans by things other than God, the one who gave us our hours, our breath, our life. But I want to encourage you this morning to live by a different standard. By James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, which is, we walk away, I hope you'll be able to say, I, li- I will live tomorrow if God wants me, if God wills for me to and I will do what God has willed for me to do. I will live tomorrow if God wants me to, and I will do what God wants me to do with my life. For me, it helps to understand these kind of phrases because I constantly think about them. So what would your life look like if you surrendered your hours to the one who has given you your hours, your breath to the one who's given you breath, your life to the one who's given you life? James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Let's read it together. I hope you have turned in your Bibles or swiped on your app. Let's read it together. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. As we're walking through this text, I want to show you three separate times in verse 13, 15, and 17, where it uses this word do, which is the Greek term poieo. It means to make or to do something that's created out of, something else, or it's created from nothing. It's something you're doing, or making, or spending. Okay, so we're going to see this three times in this text. Verse 13 starts with, come now you who say. That is setting up a scenario that really wasn't a person asking one specific thing, but was a group of people, or kind of a common saying. So it was basically like Uh, Come on now, let's talk about this. Because it usually set up a difficult conversation. They use this phrase in Greco-Roman literature. We see it in other places. We see it also in chapter 5, verse 1. He is setting up a hard statement for us to understand. Come on now, you who say. Let's hear this. Let's wrestle with this. Let's not just let this be something that goes into our head, but let's move it into our heart and into our hands. It says, today or tomorrow, verse 13, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. So this is a common phrase that James picks up and says, okay, you people say this, this is what you believe. So in their culture, and specifically as he's writing to Jewish Christians, in the culture of Jewish Christianity and in Judaism, the problem was, which James has called out, is that these people were going to other cities, setting up a business, um, and mistreating the workers, taking money, and then going back to their hometown. Okay, so setting it up, getting all the money that they wanted, and then going back and taking all their money with them. It was, not only was it um, uh, just a money-making thing without focusing on God, but it was uh, not kind to the orphan, to the widow, to the underrepresented, to those who didn't have and didn't have someone to speak up for them. So James is bringing that context into this conversation and specifically addressing these people to say, what are you doing with the time that you have? Let me show you why it's specifically saying that. Look at where it says, travel to such and such a city and spend a year there. What are you doing with your time? You see, that word spend is that Greek term I mentioned to you, poieo. It means to do, to make, to spend. You see, we use this phrase too, right? We say uh, I'm going to do a, a month in Florida. I'm going to do a weekend in Pennsylvania. Like, it's that time that you're going to spend doing something else, right? So we use that phrase. Well, this, that your English translation, and yours may say do or, or whatever, but this translation says spend, and what it means is, is it's going to take a certain amount of time somewhere else. So what are you doing with your time? Verse 14, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So speaking to verse 13, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Kind of an assumption. Do, Do you really know? Do you know what tomorrow holds for you? So continue in verse 14. What your life will be for you are like vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You see, we live in a different culture today. We live in a culture that is benefited by health care. We have health care that provides life past uh, certain diseases and illnesses. Uh, we can sustain life past heart attacks oftentimes, past uh, engagements with uh, difficult diseases. We can extend people's life. and Many of you work in the health system, and we're thankful for you and for what you do. There is a uh, culture that is created by this of an expectation that we will live tomorrow. That, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I just want you to pause for a moment and ask yourself, who holds tomorrow? Who gave you the breath that you have right now? I think there's been oftentimes in my life, and my wife can uh, uh, testify to this, and this is something I've worked through and grown through and am still working through. But there's this, there's this anxiety, there's this desire to live, to have physical life, to breathe, to walk, to be able to continue to grow to be able to see your children grow, to be able to see your grandchildren grow, and maybe your great-grandchildren, or like my grandfather, his great-great-grandchildren. But I want to be careful here that we don't make it an idol because we might fear death when we fall asleep. We might fear getting in a car or some form of transportation, or we might fear the life for our children. You may just generally fear life and death just as you go about your own day. But it's important to remember this comfort, that our life is in the hands of the one who gave it to you in the first place. When we recognize that our life was given by God and naturally flows into verse 15, look at it with me. It says, Instead, you should say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Here's that word again, do, Poyeo. what are you going to do with your life? Some people decide to do what they want to do and don't let God be a part of it. But this passage says, if the Lord wills, what does the Lord will for your life? Now, just for a moment, I want to ask you a question. You guys are Bible scholars. Anybody who engages God's word is learning about God's word, and you have been challenged to learn it and take it and disciple others with it. So you guys engage God's word with me. And I want to ask you something. Does this phrase, if the Lord wills, apply to we will live? Or does it apply to both we will live and to do this or that? You see, because it's not wrong to live, right? I mean, I know I'm asking an obvious question. Living is not evil. It's what you do with your life that can be good or evil, but what if we only take that first phrase? What if we say, if the, Lord live, uh, if the Lord wills, we will live? What if we say, okay, we trust God with our breath, but we're not going to let God will what I do with my breath. You see, if we do that, then what does verse 13 have to do with anything? It says, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. What's wrong with that? They're living. They're doing what God has willed. They have life. They have breath. There's nothing wrong with that. But if this passage, it says, if the Lord wills applies to both your breath and what you do with that breath, then what they've done with their breath matters. What they've done with their life matters, and what they've done is evil You see, God cares about both you living and what you do while you're living. And so I believe in in verse 15, if you're not careful, what we might say is if you wake up tomorrow, it was God's will. True. But what are you going to do with that? Do you process through what God has for you tomorrow? Or do you just pray that God would wake you up tomorrow? You see, if God only controls our hours, then what did the people do wrong in verse verse 13? They woke up. But if God controls their life, then what they did wrong is they didn't live according to his will. What are you doing with your life? In Acts chapter eighteen, verse twenty-one, Paul says, "I'll come back to you again if God wills." In verse uh, Romans chapter one, verse ten, he says, "I want to come visit you if God wills." If Romans chapter uh, Romans chapter fifteen, verse thirty-two says. By God's will, he may come to them. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 19, it says, But I will come to you soon if God wills. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 7 says, I don't want to see you uh, now just in passing since I hope. This is his urge. And think about this. What do you want to do? You see, Paul wants to see them and be with them. But look at what he acknowledges. He says, Since I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord allows we got to be careful that what we want, what we hope, what we desire doesn't even get ahead of what God wills. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 3, ch- talking about a positive thing, which is preaching God's word, taking people from milk to meat, from elementary knowledge to something about God that causes them to stand firm in the midst of suffering. You should preach, but it says this at the, in verse 3 And we will do this preach, proclaim this truth, if God permits. All things, even good things, are under the hand of Jesus because he's given it to us. Verse 16 says, But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You see, here's where he pauses a moment, looks at what they're doing, and says, Okay. Your desire for life and what you do with your life is arrogant because you say, I control and I do and what I do brings me joy rather than God, what do you want for me? You see, what we should do is not abandon life and abandon healthcare. Instead, what we should say is, God, I trust you. Whatever you want for me, I will trust. Whatever you have for me, I will endure it's Father's will, not mine. Arrogance is saying it's my will, not his. What are you doing with your life? Verse 17, it says, so it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. There's that word again, three times here, not used commonly in James, do it. What does that mean, poieo in Greek? It means what are you doing with your life? If you know what is good and you don't do it, that is evil. So it's not just the breath that you take that is God's will, it's what you do with the breath that you take. Is it good or is it evil? This is a conclusive statement essentially saying that whether you are living or not is not God's will. It's what you're doing with your life that becomes God's will. You see, God is in the living and he's in what you do with the living. I'm trying to say this in multiple ways because there's gonna be a time where you're gonna wake up and you're gonna say, what am I gonna do today? And you're gonna forget that it is God who woke you up and God who's gonna give you what to do. Just to be careful, I think I may have misspoke just a second ago. God's will is for you to live or for you to come to him one or the other. He is in everything. I always got to be careful with my words. Because our response to submit to God's will is not dependent upon my word, my plan, or my will. It's dependent on his word, his plan, his will. What have you submitted to today? In James chapter one, it says, flee from evil. In James chapter 3 and chapter 4, it says to come after, to follow after, to pursue what is good. So today, are you pursuing good and fleeing evil, or are you pursuing your own desires, your own will, and your own plan? I would urge you every day to think about tomorrow and the day that you live in, right now, to prepare yourself. When you think about what you're going to do with today, are you preparing to flee sin and choose good as you pursue God? It is easy to not pursue good and wind up doing evil. But when you prepare yourself to put yourself in a position when you are living according to God and doing what he's called you to do, it promotes a life of doing what is good see James chapter 1 verse 5 and 3 verses 13 through 18 say that wisdom come from God. So let me ask you a question. Again, you are the Bible scholars. I'm just teaching and training. I'm preaching to you that you might believe in God's word, trust it, know it, and live it. So as you are studying this word, let me ask you, what has God given you in in, in James? What does it say that God has given us in James chapter one verse five and chapter three verse thirteen through eighteen? It says that God has given us wisdom from above. That important phrase there, commonly used in James, of a couple different things that are given to us. Um, it's not super common throughout the New Testament, so we need to key in here. What has God given you? He's given you wisdom. Do you believe that God has given you wisdom? If not, it's something that he says that we can pray and ask for, and he will give it in abundance. And that wisdom will lead to righteousness and life and joy and hope. He says in James chapter 3. So God has given you wisdom. What else comes from God? Good and perfect things. James chapter 1 verse 17. And again, it notes from above. These things are from God. And the third thing is God gives us life. We see this in James 4 Verse 15, which I've just given to you. I hope you will see that it is God's will for you to have breath. And because of it, he has a plan and a will for you with that breath. Now notice this. I think this is just God's word just like coming together. And I love how he does this. In James, we have God's wisdom and word given to us. It says in James chapter uh, one, that we ought to obey the word that he's given it, not just be hearers, but doers. So God has given you his word and wisdom. God has given you every good and perfect thing, and God has given you life. What does that sound like? Think about this. In John chapter one, it says that He is, uh, that Jesus is the Word. Chapter one, verse one and verse fourteen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. The Word dwelled with man. Okay, so walk with me. Jesus is God, right? Let's just start their premise. If you don't believe that, just walk with me through this. Jesus is God. Okay, Colossians one. We've I've mentioned this already today. I'm going to mention it again. Everything was created through Jesus. Colossians one is like just proof, te- like just beautiful proof uh, from the text about Jesus being God. Jesus was creating everything. It was created through him, and it was created for him. He is, the invisible, he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ in the flesh is the word, and he's the wisdom. In the Old Testament, it would say Sophia, the wisdom, looking forward. If you know somebody named Sophia, their, word, their name means wisdom. Okay, So in Greek, Sophia meaning wisdom, Jesus Christ, the word, and the wisdom. But he's also good and perfect. Jesus is the only one who is good and perfect. But think about this. Is it not Jesus, if everything was created through him, and in Genesis 1 and 2, it is the breath of life. It is God breathing and speaking into existence everything that is created. God creates everything through speaking it into existence. And it says it's through his son who is the word and the wisdom. We have no life outside of, in Genesis chapter 2, God breathing life into us. So think about it. Jesus is the wisdom in the Word. He is everything that is good and perfect, and He is life. In Genesis chapter one and two, you are very good. You have life, and the Word dwelt among man in the garden. It says it walked in the God walked in the midst of man in Genesis two. He walked in the midst of man, talking and being present with his people. What are you doing with your life? The life that God gave you, the life that God created you for. This is the same God who created you. He created you for his glory. What are you doing with the the hour? What are you doing with the breath? What are you doing with the day? What are you doing with your life for the glory of God? Psalm 40, verse 8. Would you just meditate on these verses with me? Thinking about in your own life, if you can agree with it. I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. Proverbs nineteen twenty one. Can you agree with this verse? Many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. And this question, would you question this for with, you, with your own life, the author of Lamentations, will you question this? Who is there who speaks and it happens unless the Lord has ordained it? Mark chapter three, verse 35, Jesus says, whoever, it is whoever who does my will that is my brother, his sister, my father, my mother. In Mark 14, verse 36, it says, Jesus says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. If it be in your will, take this cup from me. See, it says, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And would you conclude with me the prayer, Lord's prayer, where it says, not what I will but what your will is be done on earth as it is in heaven not my will but your will can you pray that with me not my will but your will on earth as it is in heaven so as we apply this text to our life letting the letting this truth invade our hearts i want to challenge you first to trust the lord with your life whether you breathe, whether you wake up, whether you get in a car, whether you get on a transportation, whether you, uh, whether you talk to someone, whether you go somewhere, whether you are obedient to God to go to a place where it's scary and dangerous. Whatever you do with your life, the wisest thing to do is not to go to the safest place, it's to go to the place that is in God's will. Trust the Lord with your life. Second, everything you do should be for the glory of God. That life you've been given was given so that it would bring glory to God. Everything that is evil and sin is when we choose not to use the life that God has given us to bring glory to God. And third, would you plan in prayer, meditation, and community... You see, the fault of these people is they said, I'm going to go to such and such city, and I'm going to do such and such thing, I'm going to, and I'm going to leave out God in the plans. So what we should do is respond and say, God, what we do tomorrow is what you've given us to do. Not my will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as the band comes, I want to leave you with two gospel responses. First, believe that God is in control. Lamentations 3, verse 37 said, Is it not what God has ordained? Things that come to pass are not what kings have orchestrated. It's what the God of the universe has ordained to come to pass. God is in control. A God that is not in control is not God. God my God is in control your life your breath whether you wake up whether you live is under his control and what you do with that life he has a plan will you submit to it do you believe that he is in control? And second, will you discover God's will and submit to it? You see, I've, I've gone through the process and I've tried to learn and I'm not there, but I'm learning. Here's, here's a few things that have helped me that I hope you will do. First, surrender your will like the rich young ruler wouldn't do, like the disciples struggle to do, like we must do. Here's what we must do. Surrender your will to Jesus Christ. That means lay down your plans, lay down your will, lay down your objectives, lay down your business, lay down everything that you do, your hobbies, Lay everything in front of Jesus and say, God, what do you want me to do? The only thing you take up from there is what God gives you back. You lay everything down, and the only thing that comes back to you is what God gives back to you. These things will help you in this. First, listen to prayer. Second, listen to meditation. And third, listen to other Christ-centered people pastor i follow that i respect says that we should spend 95 percent of our time in prayer listening not speaking and maybe there's not a percentage to it but i think we need to be careful because how are we going to hear what god wants for us when all we do is tell god what we want for him right is prayer not more about god changing our will than us changing his will Listening in meditation is about letting God's word move from our head to our heart. It's a process. It's letting God invade every bit of us so that we are not what we want but what he wants because what he wants, we recognize, is better for us. And then finally, we've got to listen to other Christ-centered people because God raises up people and puts them around you to guide you, to encourage you, and to push you towards his will. Now remember this. There is no person, and there is no prayer, and there is no meditation, engagement of God's word that is going to contradict God's word. What you hear from God in prayer will not contradict God's word. What you read in God's word will not contradict the rest of God's word. And what you hear from other people will not uh, contradict God's word when it is done in in the right way in Jesus Christ's name. So I pray, hope, urge you to do what is good. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, If you know what is good and you don't do it, that is evil. I think for some amount of time we've spent so much time asking what is bad and trying not to do it. We've got to recognize what is good and do it. Because Christ called us to do something. Three I'm going to give you three quick things that you can do. Because you may say today, I don't know what God wants from me. If you know what is good and don't do it, it's evil. James delivers for us three specific things. First, care for the orphan and widow and those who are underrepresented or under-resourced. If you know, if you know those who are orphaned, widows, or under-resourced and underrepresented, you should be an advocate of them. James calls us to not discriminate. This is a continual thread. Do not discriminate. And then finally, extend mercy because mercy triumphs over judgment. And remember, brothers and sisters, we extend mercy to those who don't deserve mercy because we are those who don't deserve mercy, but yet it has been extended to us. What are you doing with your life? Let me pray for you father would you lead us would you give us your direction would you give us your truth father help us to understand more clearly your will we know that your will will come to pass but we will submit to it we will follow it we will worship you in it we will bring glory to you through it god give us what you have and we will do it we are your people Help me, Father, help this church to lay down our plans and pick up only what you have for us. Because, Father, we trust you. We believe that you hold our breath, and we believe that you have plans for our breath. Help us to understand more clearly. We love you, Father, in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. What are you doing in your life? Remember that you are sent into the midst of darkness to light it up, to proclaim life over death, to defend the oppressed, and to pray, Spirit, move. I hope you will have a great week this week, and I ask for you to pray for our staff. Our pastors and a couple of our staff members are headed to a conference in Dallas. We have a couple of staff members still here, and we'll be available for prayer as well still. But we're headed down to Texas, Dallas, Texas, to a conference there to pursue King Jesus, learn more about what he has for us here at this church, be together and talk about vision and plans. So I hope you'll join us in praying. We need your prayer. It's a dedicated week. It's committing to what God has for this church. And so we are literally going to ask, what do you want us to do, Father? Would you pray for us in that? I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.